You are Locked On Steelers, your daily Pittsburgh Steelers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, bringing you your daily dose of all things on the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's Tuesday, February 23rd, and unfortunately, we couldn't get Tony Tony to come on today. He had some things that took him off. We'll be back next week, but we got you Josh Taylor from KDKA TV in Pittsburgh. We're going to talk a lot of serious things in football. One, Mike Tomlin getting getting the coronavirus, what that means, and two, of course, Cam Hayward's restructuring and what it does for the Steelers' salary cap, but also, maybe also, for the Steelers' defense and a change that Josh suggested that I thought was very interesting. All that and more right on today's show. As always, you can subscribe to the Locked On Steelers podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Radio.com, and Google Podcasts, where anywhere podcasts are hosted. Let's get into it. So normally on Tuesdays, we know you guys are used to our Tony Tuesdays. Tony Serino can't be here. He'll be back with us next week. I got you somebody that y'all know and love. Somebody who's been a friend of the show for quite some time. My man Josh Taylor from KDKA TV in Pittsburgh is back on the show. Josh, how you doing, my man? I'm disappointed, man. I was looking for some Duck Hodges talk. Want to get Duck Hodges talk with no Tony? <laughs> well, I, I mean, you I can bring up Duck Hodges if you want. Tony's already said that he's he's moving on to being a Rams fan, and uh, that, that that's going to be his future from now on. <laughs> oh my! Why am I not in the least bit surprised? He also he also told me. Uh, that he he's like, wow, Matt Stafford got traded there just to be a backup. And I was like, oh, Tony. Oh, God. <laughs> so even, oh, even when he doesn't show up, he lives on the show. Um, uh, but, his, uh, his, his shadow looms large. Indeed, indeed. Um, but thanks again, Josh, for coming on the show. we got a lot to talk about today. Two major news points that will take up this show. The first, we'll get out of the way immediately because there's not too much to evaluate on this, but it has been reported that Mike Tomlin has tested positive for COVID-19. And uh, since then, the Steelers have also sent home several uh, personnel members, or, you know, front office guys and coaching staff members to, be, to go home to contact Trace and quarantine and do all that. Now, Josh, of course, everyone's like, well, who cares? Because the season's over and this doesn't really impact that. And in a sense that what they're doing right now with restructuring contracts for front office work, yeah, it doesn't impede that process too much. However, you know, these are still major health concerns as the country literally just hit 500,000 deaths of, of, from people who've died from COVID-19. Life is bigger than the game. Yes. I don't know why it has to be reiterated time and time again. I don't know why it takes something absolutely terrible and tragic for us to remember it, or maybe a player dying unexpectedly, or maybe even a player who's long since retired dying unexpectedly. It should not take tragedy to remind us that life is bigger than the game. So if nothing else, I, I shouldn't have to you know, say give the Steelers credit, but if nothing else, I acknowledge the fact that they realize that there are some things that are more important. Yes, the, the business of of keeping this team together and figuring out everything during the offseason, yes, it, it's something that could be done in spite of everything. And they can make adjustments around it because people in other businesses and other walks of life are doing it every day. So it's not like they have to necessarily be in person to get things done. Let's stop acting like they aren't, they aren't on the phone with agents for hours and hours of, of the time. So it's not like this is anything that's new or, 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 or foreign for that matter. But 
yeah, just them acknowledging the fact that life is is bigger than the game is the thing that you focus on. Um, the fact that Mike Tomlin hopefully is recovering, hopefully he is healthy, or if if not back to his normal self, hopefully he's back to his normal self soon. Because outside of the fact that the man is a football coach, and regardless of how you feel about Mike Tomlin as a coach or as a person, he is a husband and a father. He's mm-hmm. got three children, and I'm pretty sure that everything that that surrounds his professional life pales in comparison to what his family and, and how his family feel about him and how important he is to them. So that that's the important thing. And that just, that's not just as far as what's important to him. That goes as far as everybody else that they're trying to protect too. Life is bigger than the game. We got to remember that sometimes. Yeah. That's the bottom line here is, is there, even if it wasn't season, the Steelers would spare no expense to protect their people. That's what they do. They know right. that the game, the game is just a game. Um, so, you know, you know, blessings to, to the Tomlin family and everyone that's, you know, I mean, really the whole world as we deal with COVID-19, but, you know, when you hear it's somebody that works on the team that you cover all the time, you're like, whoa, um, you know, hope, hope that guy's okay. Uh, and, uh, you know, hope everything works out there. Uh, and it's safe to say the Steelers have also, I mean, they've treated it seriously. I mean, you know, they, they had only three players tested positive all season long with James Conner, Vance McDonald and Joe Hayden, you know, Joe Hayden missed the team's playoff game because of it and they were like you know we, we got to work with that uh, and I believe only one other staffer on, on on the team was the only other person to test positive during the season and um, you know so it's it's unfortunate but you know it's these things happen it's just a reminder just be safe and be careful out there y'all because you never know where you might get it from um, but so that was that was uh, one major point of news but the other major announcement Josh is that Cam Hayward's contract has been restructured this was one of the things that we were waiting and talking about because everyone's talking about Ben Roethlisberger's contract and that's going to take some time, but the Steelers were pretty much always going to restructure Cam's contract to make this money move and open things up here. According to what everyone's, what, what we're looking at here numbers wise, this move creates $7 million more in cap space and it converts uh, basically uh, his salary, his, his 4.5 million salary base and a $6 million ROP. Uh, roster bonus into us that was due at a signing bonus and it works it so that it frees up money now he'll still get paid all, you know a lot of money this this year but it frees up money against the cap this year and puts it towards the you know the future years josh this was something we knew was coming but this is just another sign as far as why i've been telling people to chill out about the salary cap because seven million dollars off the books even if you're lowballing it that's a really good spot for the steelers because now they're at least at worst they are like 10 or $9 million over the cap. Yeah, this is one of those things that when you get into this whole discussion about what the Steelers are doing with their cap situation, you always know, if you've paid attention, I should say, if you've paid attention to what this team has done for the past couple decades, if you've just watched how they've operated, then you know something like this is not, I shouldn't say it's huge news because it is indirectly huge for what right. the Steelers are trying to do. But it's not a huge occurrence. It's more or less standard procedure. We know going in, if they have cap situations where they're trying to fit guys under, whether it be veteran players that may be leaving or even just for the sake of trying to keep the guys that they want to keep or or just for the sake of making sure they have a cushion for their draft class, whatever the case may be. We know if there's a need to open up space under the salary cap that this team is going to do things like this because they've been doing it for a long time. Now, there's only been a couple of times where it's really, really hurt them. 
But for the most part, when they do things like this, it works out just fine. And Cam Hayward's case is no different because let's be honest, they've done this with Cam Hayward before. This is nothing new in his particular situation. I want to say when his last contract came around, they got toward the end of it and they pushed a little bit of the money back. And then it came time for him for his contract to be up. And he said, look, I'm here to play football. My agent deals with the rest of that. That's not my job. That's his job to deal with it. My job is to play football. And he's always approached it that way. I think even if they hadn't done that with his his salary cap hit, his job would have been, his response would have been, you know what? My job is to play football and my agent deal with the rest of it. But that tells you not a lot about Cam Hayworth, the person. From the team perspective of it, this is something that they do all the time. So it's not like it's really that unheard of or that foreign. This is more standard procedure for them. And he's not going to be the last one. They're going to do this with more guys. They have more players that are under contract past next season that they can do that with because this is what they've done for a while. And this is honestly, if you're a team that has this little cap space coming into 2021 and that much cap space going into 2022, it's the no brainer thing to do because 2022 they're in a much better situation. Now, granted it's because they only have so many players signed in 2022 and that's another situation that they'll have to deal with, but this is the starting point before you start dealing with the immediate stuff and then the other stuff hereafter. We're not done talking about this. We're, we're going to take a quick break. We come back. We're going to continue talking about this because this is a major point as far as not just for Cam Hayward, but for the entire team's salary cap. And what I've been telling y'all about how the Steelers are not nearly as in bad a situation as many have made it seem. But first, we got to talk about our friends at betonline.ag. BetOnline.ag, the only place that we trust here in the Lockdown Podcast Network to place bets on. Even though football season's over, there's a ton of different ways to make money by gambling on sports right now. If you go to BetOnline.ag today and sign up for your free account, you'll get a 50% bonus to your first deposit simply by entering the promo code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, LOCKEDON, all capital letters and all one word. And that will get you your 50% bonus on your first deposit. Right now, sure, the NFL is done, but you can put money down on where certain free agents might be going in the NFL. You can also bet on college basketball, the NBA, and the NHL. All different ways to get off the sidelines and get in on the action. BetOnline.ag. Remember, use that promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, LOCKEDON, all capital letters, all one words, to get a 50% bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, I'm your host, Chris Carter, here with Josh Taylor of KDKA TV in Pittsburgh. Josh, so we we were just talking about Cam Hayward. His restructuring frees up $7 million. Now, Again, there's different numbers that you can use. I'm going to go off of SpotRack's n- numbers. Uh, SpotRack estimates that, as a, as a website, they estimate the NFL's salary cap to be set at 185 uh, next year, which would, which would be – it's a little bit higher. It's about $4.5 higher than what uh, – uh, um, uh, uh, excuse me, over the cap is projecting, and they use, like a, one, they, they use a $180.5 million uh, salary cap s- status. But according to SpotRack – with Cam Hayward's restructure and, of course, Marquise Pouncey and Vance McDonald retiring, the Steelers are only down to $6 million over the cap. That's a huge step for the Steelers right here. And like you said, it was it, we knew that this was coming with Hayward. Um, and we're pretty sure 
that something's coming down the line with with other guys. But th- this was why I was I've I've been trying to say all along. I'm like I'm not so sure that the Steelers are in some position where signing you know keeping Ben is impossible because you have to free up all this money to to you know to, to have him on the roster. The Steelers they could still do these, these kind of moves. They can do it with Stephon Tuitt's money. Um, they can restructure him. Um, there's a few guys that they could extend who I think would be smart to maybe Steven Nelson. Um, you could do that with Joe Hayden. You could do it with David DeCastro. Um, you may even do it with Eric Ebron if you want to go that far. Mm-hmm. But um, but there's several options here that by themselves would get the Steelers under the salary cap and give them a little bit more room. We're not even talking about yet, Josh, that if they if they do something with Ben contract, if they extend him a year, and, and even just one year, and they and they push some of that money out, I believe the most according to what the rules are, the most that they could move out of his contract right now would be twelve million dollars in a restructure, I think, like that, um, or so, something along those lines. But if they even get it to eight to ten million. You're, I really think there's a, a shot the Steelers could get themselves to at least $20 million under the cap, and that's a number where you can make multiple smaller signings of guys who are coming off, who are supposed to be coming off your roster, like Cam Sutton, maybe Mike Hilton, maybe Zach Banner, and then still maybe go out and get one or two guys in free agency. Yeah, that's the goal. That's what you want to do, and and I think you're right. I think Stefan too. It's probably going to be the next one we hear about as far as guys that are restructured and kind of pushing. I mean, I heard people use the term "kick the can down the road." It's kind of not the same thing. It's just a matter of how it's allocated as opposed to where it's being placed. But for all that, you know, for all that jargon, and we'll kind of set that to the side. But I expect Stefan to it to be the next guy, if not the next guy, one of the next guys named as far as how they use. Um, their their cap situation to dictate what their next moves are. And I, I think you're right. I think the point is, if you're this team, knowing that you have so many guys that are unrestricted free agents, also, also operating under the assumption that you're not going to keep them all, because that's an important thing to remember. We're talking about bringing certain guys back, and you're not going to get to keep everybody, because you mentioned Cam Sutton, you mentioned Mike Hilton, and you mentioned Zach Banner. We haven't talked about Juju. We haven't talked about James Conner. We even mentioned those guys. We even mentioned Alejandro Villanueva. And a lot of people have just assumed that, hey, they might have priced themselves out. Or in Villanueva's case, maybe he's just not worth keeping around. That's kind of what we've heard bandied about back and forth. And however you interpret it is for you to determine. But it, it is important because having that number brought down to being so many million over as opposed to several million under, it opens up the conversation for whoever you want to bring back. It keeps that possibility open. You and I talked about this off air. We talked about Cam Sutton and Mike Hilton being guys that, you know, whether we feel like they should be back, but this opens up the conversation for them because Cam Sutton is a guy that I think really is important for their future because you mentioned Steven Nelson and Joe Hayden. Are they going to be able to keep both guys long-term? I'm not so sure. So you might have to look more into a Cam Sutton because Cam Sutton might replace as the start on the outside whomever doesn't stay between Joe Hayden and Steven Nelson. That's what makes that conversation a lot more important when you're talking about Cam Sutton, because this is more of a long-term move than it is a short-term move. Mike Hilton's a bit of a different story. Mike Hilton probably more of a short-term move because he's done so much in the you know immediate present 
And he's so much a bigger part of what they're doing right now. That's what makes him an important part of this discussion. Me personally, I'd love to stay, see Mike Hilton stay. If you follow me on Twitter, how many times have I tweeted Mike Hilton playmaker throughout the course of a season in the last three or four years? Primarily because that one word sums him up very well. He is a playmaker. He's probably their best defensive back against the run. And I'd make the case that outside of Micah Fitzpatrick, he's the only other defensive back that's able to help you get takeaways, which by the way, this team was tied for third in the league in takeaways this past season. There's a reason why this defense had some level of efficiency because they were getting those takeaways and Mike Hilton had a lot to do with that. So when you're trying to wrap all that around and say, Hey, how do we make this whole picture work as far as who you can keep to get back on the field? This is why getting under that cap number is important because now you can make that long-term decision, what you're going to do at the corner position on the outside or in Mike Hilton's case at the nickel position. So now maybe you go into the draft and you're able to shift your priorities. Maybe you don't have to worry about a defensive back and maybe you could put your focus on offensive line. Maybe you could put your focus on running back or wide receiver, or maybe even quarterback question mark. You can put it there too, (laughs) if need be, but this is why the importance of getting under that number is so significant because now you can scratch off some of those needs before you get to draft time. And now you have fewer things to address. That's where I'm that's where I'm most interested in figuring out wh- which players can they sign for not that much money that wouldn't kill them this year in the cap and be able to keep moving forward. To me, I know that Mike Hill and Mike Hilton's my guy. Mike Hilton's one of my favorite guys to talk to in the locker room for the past four or five years, however long he's been with the team now. Absolutely. Um, I think I think this was his fourth year because yeah, he's he came in 2017. But the thing with Mike is that he is a run defender, an undersized run defender, and a slot cornerback. And he's good in the zone because he has great football instincts. But he he's not someone that you want that you can have engaged with a, with a lineman in, in, in the hole. He's not someone that can cover outside the numbers unless he's again unless he's playing zone and he's like baiting someone. Um, but and if you line him up with you know, a quicker receiver or a bigger size receiver, that's usually when he gets outmatched in the slot. Whereas Cam Sutton, he's a guy who can play outside well and play the slot. And he's a little bit bigger, so he helps against the run. And he can drop back and play his zone. His versatility, I think, is what's going to weigh out there for the Steelers and make him a priority. Mike Hilton's going to test the free agency market, in my opinion. And I think he absolutely deserves it because he's busted his butt for years to prove that he's worth it. Um the only way I see him coming back to the Steelers is if he tests those waters and they, and no one gives him what they want. And that's something that has happened. A lot of slot cornerbacks have talked about how they are not respected enough in this league. And everyone's like, well, I can just get someone else to just to be you. And, um, and and they feel like, Hey, I did this really important job for you all season long and I didn't get paid for it. Um, So Mike Hilton could be, victim to that i don't know um i i do i mean some teams do recognize the importance of a slot corner and some i think someone will end up paying him i just don't know if it's a matter of him hitting you going making the rounds and then saying yeah you know what none of this is really great i'm going back to pittsburgh I, i'm not sure if that's in the cards but either way josh your point is the, the this this free agency period isn't about getting the big guy you know it, it's not about going and signing J.J. Watt, you know, again, that's that's a, that's a dream if that happens. But this is about figuring out the guys who can fill out your depth chart, help you in places where you're weak right now. And that's where I think Steelers fans, that's where you should be having your eyes on in this free agency period. What smaller names, lesser-known guys, 
or maybe guys that you know that that people are kind of disregarding who can fit what the Steelers need right now. Yeah, I'll I'll take that discussion that with your what you're saying a little bit of a step further. I'd say from the offensive standpoint, you might be looking for okay, we know we have guys we have to replace. Who are you bringing in to replace the guys that are leaving? On the defensive side of it, it's more like, hey, these guys are leaving. Can we bring them back and keep this in keep this unit intact? Right. Or can we bring in somebody who's similar, who has done a similar job and may not cost as much to do it? That's probably what you're thinking on defense because and I don't know where this discussion started. I don't know who started it. I don't know who brought it up. And I don't know what games they were watching. But there's this thing that's been going around about this defense being bad when the season ends. Oh. And I'm looking at them going, what team were you watching? Yeah. This is a team that I have to remind people that was in the top three in yards allowed, mm-hmm. was top three in scoring, was top was tops in the league in sacks, number one in sacks, and we're in the top three in takeaways. So I'm looking at what these people are saying. And I'm going, when's the last time you saw this defense? This organization's defense now, do all four of those things at the same time. Right. Now, so if what, anything, you want to try to keep that together. What someone's going to say to that is, well, the last time I saw them, Josh, they gave up so many points to the Browns. Yuck, yuck, yuck. And I, I'm, I'm sitting here, right. You're making the face that they can't see on the podcast, but that's, I'm making the same face as you, is that anyone who looks at that game and ignores the fact that there were five turnovers by the Steelers offense. And that allowed the, the, the Browns offense to just run the ball and just base their offense in that. And uh, especially a, a Steelers defense that was heavily depleted, um, you know, for that, for that game, you're missing the context. What, what, what Josh's point here and what my point has been and what, and what I think what are both of our points will be throughout the rest of this offseason, this, they have a very impressive defensive core right now, and most of it is young. Devin Bush is a baby. Minka Fitzpatrick is on his are going is going into the last year of his rookie deal. TJ Watts on his fifth year extension. That's there's like those are your, those are your key pieces, and then you still got people like Cam Sutton who's coming off his rookie season or coming off his rookie contract. You still got Steven Nelson's who's in his late twenties. You still got Joe Hayden who is about to turn thirty two years old and doesn't look like he's not a speed corner. Like people need to understand the difference between a lot of corners when they get older they lose their speed. He's never been a speed guy. He's always been a, a technique outwork you and be out and be smarter than you. So his age is going to carry him longer than say like a Patrick Peterson and other guys that depend on their you know their 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 athleticism um and then you again you got to it who's in who's in his prime right now hayward who's coming on the back end of his prime but still very good and you got a young player like alex tice but there's so many pieces to build around in this defense it would be silly not to invest and try to keep as much of it together as you can the thing is is that the piece that everyone's going to talk about missing though josh is bud dupree i don't know about you I've I've seen Pro Football Focus says that he estimates that he's going to make fifteen million dollars, uh, fifteen million this this year in free agency. Um, John Clayton, former ESPN guy, he said that he he expects Dupree to make six million. I think that's extremely low. Um, I just I still feel like as far as everything you know and putting keeping this defense together, Bud is the one piece that just can't fit because somebody's going to give him that bread. Yeah, you're right, and honestly, as far as Pro Football Focus and John Clayton. Shout out to Duquesne grad John Clayton, by the way. I didn't know that. That's cool. Duquesne zone. Um, I'd make the argument that you probably split the difference as far as what I expect Bud to be paid. I think one's too high. The other one may be a little bit too low. I'd probably aim right there in the middle, maybe between nine and 10. But that's just my estimation. I have no real knowledge of what to expect. That's just me speculating. But 
Uh, two things to that. One, to, to kind of put wrap the bow around what we were just talking about with that game with Cleveland. I, I want people to go back and look at the drive charts from the offense in mm-hmm. that game because they, they're really important to bring up. Fumble on one snap, interception on the second one, which left the defense having to defend a seven to nothing deficit with Cleveland starting with the ball pretty much on, on the Steelers 46 yard line. So a seven point lead on the plus side of the field and your defense had nothing to do with any of it. Yep. I'm sorry. That's not their fault. Mm-hmm. So that means the first 14 points of the game really had nothing to do with the defense. And then, Oh yeah, by the way, the third drive of the game ended with an interception, which also led to another touchdown because they started the ball on Pittsburgh side of the field. I, I don't know. I don't know a better way to describe that. But if you're looking at ways to blame your defense for the first three drives of the game, or I should say the first three scoring possessions of the game, starting on the other side of the field, and your defense had nothing to do with them getting the ball there, I don't know a better way to describe this to you, but you're not paying attention. And you're finding a way to blame a unit that was probably, not even probably, that was the main reason why this team won its first 11 games. It really was the reason why. Now, to to bring it all back around, when you're talking about Bud Dupree, I think we found out that when Bud Dupree went down and Alex Highsmith got the opportunity. Now, granted, this is, you know, where they, you know, how I say luck is when preparation meets opportunity. So yes. that's the case. Alex Highsmith is the luckiest man on the planet, but he also made the most of the opportunity. Now you can also say in the playoff game against Cleveland that he was pretty much non-existent. A lot of that defense was non-existent because Cleveland just knew what to do with the situation they had in front of them you're not going to get many opportunities where you get the ball in the field position that they got it with the lead that they had, thanks to the, the other team giving them the ball is such so gratuitously in the situations they were in. So it's kind of hard to say, well, these two guys disappeared because at this point there's only so much you can do when your, your entire game plan shifts from what the other team's trying to do. But what we did learn with Alex Highsmith was, You can still find other guys that are capable pass rushers. They don't have to be first round picks like a Bud Dupree or like a TJ Watt. The truth of the matter is you can find those guys pretty much anywhere. Key example. And I'm not saying that this is guys going to be like the rest of them, but there was a guy who became a really good pass rusher for them. Who was an undrafted free agent. He had been cut from a couple different teams and the Steelers being one of them. And eventually that guy won a defensive player of the year award. And his name was James Harrison. <laughs> there was a guy who once was a fifth round draft pick who became a very good pass rusher for this team and became the leader of that defense. And his name was Joey Porter. It does not necessarily matter when or where you find the guy. It's about whether or not he can do the job. So yes, losing Bud Dupree is a huge deal, especially if you don't have a lot of depth behind a guy like Bud Dupree, but you can find other guys that can step in. And the great thing about the draft is, you're probably going to find them for a lot cheaper on the dollar than you would probably paying a guy like Bud Dupree. Not that you just don't want to pay him, but I don't think the Steelers are in position to, because like you said, the market's going to dictate that he might price himself out for whatever reason. And that reason could be because another team wanted to pay him more, or that reason can be because he wanted to just find another opportunity. But whatever the situation is, if that situation does occur, if Bud Dupree does indeed price himself out, then you have guys that you can find And they're all over the place. Now, I won't say that the talent's all over the place, but there are different ways to find those guys that you can bring guys in that can do that job particularly. Now, this idea of moving on from Bud Dupree and finding those guys is what sparked our next conversation about 
maybe something about the defense changing. Josh actually brought this up to me off air, which is why I wanted to talk about it with him on this third segment. We'll get to that in just a minute. But first, we had talked about our friends at rockauto.com. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than charging prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. Best of all, Prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on, that's L-O-C-K-E-D, locked on in their how did you hear about us section so that they can know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com today. Back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, I'm your host, Chris Carter, here with Josh Taylor of KDKA TV in Pittsburgh. Josh, you presented this idea to me, um, and it's something that I, I've thought in the back of my head, but I've, sometimes I don't even think to talk about. There's so many things that go on in, in my head, and you know what this is like, where you forget to talk about some of them, because it's like, yeah, you know, you know, like I've already talked about that, or like, like no one's going to want to hear about that, but then you brought this up, and I'm like, no, this is a great idea to explore, because Bud Dupree leaving would mean that Alex Highsmith's most likely a starter. And Alex Highsmith is a defensive end converted outside linebacker uh, that say that, you know, for the, for the Steelers. And that fits a mold of where the Steelers used to go with how they got Joey Porter, with how they got Lamar Woodley and Jason Gild. And a lot of those guys, they weren't linebackers in college. They were, they were edge rushers. They were just defensive ends, line them up, beat you up, go get after the quarterback. And it brought up the possible, you brought up a possibility here of what if, the Steelers just make the permanent and official switch to being a four man front. I think it's interesting. And of course, four man front means like a four, three defense instead of the three, four. Now I, I think that for one, they've basically done that with the nickel defense because that's the defense that they use the most now. Uh, but there's still about like 20% of their play calls where they go to a three, four, especially when teams show that they're going to run. But your idea is to say, forget that. What if you just operate with Cam and Tewitt on the inside, Highsmith and one on the outside, and then you just you, you invest in having three off-ball linebackers who can cover, play aggressive against the run, and, and help you in a lot of ways over the middle? And I think that's a very interesting point. It, it, the, reason why, the reason why I felt this way for a while, largely because for two different reasons. One, you brought up the first one. These, this team plays in sub-package so much. Yeah that they have to play with an even front. If for no other reason, than because the personnel dictates it. So that's one thing that you're looking at. It's more or less out of necessity than anything. And if anything, we've learned, this was a team that was first in the league in sacks. Yeah. So clearly they're capable of for doing four it. four years in a row now, by the way. This is a team that's clearly capable of doing it out of an even front, considering the fact they're playing the majority of the snaps in an even front and leading the team in sacks. Two plus two still equals four on any planet. I don't care yep. what you tell me. Mm-hmm. The second reason was, and this this dates back a while, I want to go back seven years because seven years ago, after the, I should say six, six off seasons ago, after the 2014 season, that's when the team and Dick LeBeau parted ways. Mm -hmm. And for me, it felt like in a situation where you're, you have a head coach 
like Mike Tomlin, who made his resume as a defensive coordinator and built his career as a defensive assistant, playing in a defensive system under a coach like Tony Dungy, who ran that system for so long throughout his career in two different organizations in both Tampa Bay and Indianapolis, and also worked as a defensive assistant under a similar situation when he was in, wait for it, Pittsburgh under Chuck Knoll. Mm -hmm. This is kind of a full circle opportunity that I felt that the team never really followed through on. I felt like when they parted ways with Dick LeBeau, this was their chance to say, you know what? We can maybe make this switch now and it might not make that much of a difference for, for a few different reasons also, because Dick LeBeau was gone. You mentioned how they didn't have that, that nose tackle presence in the middle. Steve McClendon was the guy in the middle at the time. Nothing against Steve McClendon, but is he really a true zero tech that could have no. been that game-changing guy? The answer is no. He's not Casey Hampton. And, He's not Casey Hampton. And, and frankly, that position is dying in the NFL. There are very few guys who can line up zero tech, dominate. because, And, and also, it makes it tougher on the rest of the because a zero tech, uh, so for those who don't know, zero tech means you're lining right up on the center. Right. Like uh, whenever you hear a number and the word technique, it just means that's the gap that you're in. So if you're one technique, you're on the inside shoulder of the center because zero is the center, one's the inside shoulder, three is then the the shoulder of the guard, and then five is the out is is when you start working out to the tackle towards the tackle, and then the, then you have your edge. Um, but a zero tech, as a, a real zero tech means you're you're lining up no you're a nose tackle and nose tackle means I'm lining up on the center, I'm beating him up every single play. That's who Casey Hampton was. He he lined up in the middle and. It was huge from for, for the 2000s because teams still majority ran the ball or threw the, and threw the ball deep. But the uh, what happened was in the early 2010s, you saw a lot more offenses go the way of Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers and saying, "Hey, we're not going to run the ball right at you. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do this short passing game," which is why I think Ben Roethlisberger really wanted to do that and make that such a staple of the Steelers' offense because he saw other quarterbacks do it for so long, and. And that works, but what it does is the nose tackle. Now you have a guy on the field that's practically useless because he mm -hmm. he can't get to the quarterback that fast. Um, he's his job is to stuff the run unless he's a supreme pass rusher like Aaron Donald because Aaron Donald can line up any technique he wants to just get it done. Exactly. But, but a Casey Hampton, a guy who's a, a real run stuffer, it's very rare that you find a run stuffer and a pass rusher like. Aaron Donald, or I'd even say Cam Hayward, which is why I think Cam Hayward, he can do zero tech. Um, you want to line him up more as a three technique uh, just to give him better options. But um, but that that's where, where this is going is that a four-man front, a four-three, it eliminates even anyone having to worry about that role. You got two guys. Sometimes one will be the – both will be the three. Sometimes one will be the one, and then it'll be a three. But you can mix up that role a lot, and that's what a lot of teams are doing. I mean, we saw the Buccaneers do that in the Super Bowl. They had And they have really good interior defensive linemen. Vita Vey yes. came back and dominated, and Dominican Sue was a bad man. Um, you know, and, and look at how they moved them around. I think the Steelers with a four-man front, it would give them more liberties to do that consistently um, and, and maybe even make their sets of how they rotate substitutions in and out easier to, to work with and plan around. You, you brought up two really good examples that I like to point to. You brought up Aaron Donald, which is one, but that entire Rams defensive line right. is a good example because you got four guys up front that will slap the slap the tar out of a lot of offensive lines. Mm -hmm. Same thing with Tampa Bay. Four really good guys up front that'll slap the tar out of a lot of good of, of a lot of good offensive lines. 
I'd even make the case going back to Seattle in the earlier part of the previous decade mm. where, it, and this is one of those things where you look at the X's and O's and it kind of skews a little bit because Seattle went with that four, three under look that Pete Carroll really liked. And he used yeah. it a lot at USC, but he learned it way back when he was a grad assistant at the university of Arkansas. Right. I'm dating myself here, but I'm going way back here, but I'm <laughs> saying all that to say this, there are teams who have found ways to make that work to their advantage. Now, Seattle using the four, three under not to get too far into the jargon and in technical terms, there, there's a combination of, of taking up gaps and, and taking up particular blockers that they, you could use with that scheme. I'm not going to mm-hmm. go into the details with it. You can search for it and find it if you want to know what I'm talking about. Yeah. But there are teams that have shown we can be an even front team and be dominant. San Francisco is doing it, mm-hmm. at least when everybody's healthy. That's something with the 49ers. That defensive line was just completely torn up with injuries. Yeah, they, they were that really, really hurt them. But when those four guys are healthy, they are really, really good. That front, that front four was in the Super Bowl previously not this mm-hmm. past one mm-hmm. but the year before that that defensive line was in the super bowl because they're really really good and my feeling is that the steelers having the front that they have having the talent with cam hayward with stefan to it with tj watt just those three guys insert fourth name here doesn't really have to be a guy that's on this roster right now it could be a guy they draft it could be a guy they bring in off the street when you got three of the four guys that you already know are pretty dominant and two of them are pro bowlers and all pros, it's a pretty good place to start. And two of them are former first round picks. That's a pretty good place to start. Just imagine if they still had Bud Dupree, you're talking about a defensive line and even front with three first rounders and one second rounder. Sounds a lot like some of the units we've just talked about around the league that have a lot of studs up front. I'll give you another example. We saw Pitt do it for a couple years and they had six, seven guys to rotate. Right. And Pat Narduzzi has made this a staple of his defensive philosophy. His defensive philosophy is really, really simple from a personnel standpoint. Yeah. Really dominant defensive linemen, really agile, quick linebackers that can cover a lot of space and really big physical corners and agile safeties. It's pretty much been the staple dating back to when he was at Michigan State Mm -hmm. running that defense. It really does not change. But you're seeing a lot of that philosophy carry over now into the NFL. We talk about the NFL being a copycat league. The truth of the matter is, they don't copy from other teams first. They tend to copy from the college game first. Right. And the college game tends to top, tends to copy from the high school game first. If you've heard anything about how mummy, you know what I'm talking about. But for this particular case, this particular topic, when you're talking about defenses becoming so much more stout and aggressive up front, it has been that core attitude of we need four really good dominant guys that can both play well against the run on the inside and become good interior pass rushers and then guys on the edge that can either set the edge in the run or just beat the guy to the quarterback in the passing game. And that's something that I feel like the Steelers are now in position to maybe have that opportunity again. They haven't had it in about six, almost seven years, but it feels like they're right back there again. And I feel like I don't want them to miss the boat twice, but this is just my own personal interpretation. I mean, the other thing you have to remember is that time they were still looking for their future edge rusher. You know, Jarvis exactly. Jones didn't work out. Um, you know, they were, you know, they, they didn't have a TJ watch. I think James Harrison was either on his way out or was out with the Bengals at the time. You know, there, there was a lot of things in flux, but now you have two young edge rushers. You trust in, you have two dominant interior defensive linemen. It makes a lot of sense. And, and, and like, like you alluded to earlier about Tony Dungy, you know, his, 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 his Tampa two defense was based on a four man front, that four man front that he learned from was the steel curtain defense that, that, that ran that system. And, and it's also, and he played in it. And he played and he played. He he was that that's he he got two Super Bowl rings with those guys. Um, And 
I think another point of emphasis, it's the defense that has usually wrecked Tom Brady. Uh, it's, exactly. you know, it's, it's the, it was, that was the, the giants defense. They ran that four, three into the ground and they just kept rotating their bigs and just crushing people. Um, it's a huge reason why I think the Steelers would behoove themselves to, to, to get into this. And again, it adds flexibility. Now, part of this, it, it also is Josh. It's not going to be easy because I think they got the guys before, but they need backups. That's why they think they yes. need a Tyson Alulu to be resigned. They need to get another edge rusher who can come in, come in and be a good spell, which is why I think that neither interior defensive lineman or edge rusher should be dismissed as being a middle round pick for this team. But also, they need off ball linebackers who can help in coverage and help against the run. Um, you got you got uh, you know a guy in Vince Williams who could probably be if you're running a four three he'd be like my 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 uh, my my will linebacker my weak mm-hmm. side linebacker saying hey you go you go plug the, the the run you get physical and then you have your Sam or your your star whatever your your system wants to call him that's usually a guy you want to jam tight into the line of scrimmage be a little more aggressive in pass defense and then you have your Mike um, or your money linebacker who's the guy that's in the middle the Jack Lambert taking on everybody and get and, and making sure that no Nobody gets past him. He's your he's your your second line of defense to the to, the, to that aggressive front that you talked about. The, I think Devin Bush is a great Mike, um, and he could he could be a Sam, um, but they need another guy who could do both, and right. that's not something that you just fall upon every day by accident. I think it's it's why I have such an emphasis on this team getting at least in the third or fourth round another off ball linebacker who can run with, with Devin Bush, play with Devin Bush and, you know, sub in for him when he needs, when he needs breaks, but also line up next to him and just be the guy that they trust. And we've seen teams do it in those middle rounds. We've seen him do it on day two. We saw Indianapolis snatch one on day two. Yeah. He's pretty damn good. And yeah, the Steelers had a shot Leonard's at him. A bad man. Steelers had a shot at him. We've seen other teams snatch those kind of guys on day two. You and I are on the same wavelength. You can get a guy like that on day two, if yeah. not late day two, early day three. They're out there. You can find them. It's just a matter of what's your scouting department looking for. Also, where you pick comes into play too. You can't always just, you know, discount that part because if you're if you're picking at the top part of the round, you might have guys with that round's grade more accessible to you. But when you were talking about what the Giants were doing against Tom Brady, I'm over here like fist pumping because I'm like, thank you. <laughs> thank you. I've been saying this for years. It, it really does come down to it. And I, I've been trying to tell people, sometimes the best way to get pressure on Tom Brady is between those two A-gaps. Yeah. It has been the evidence for years. And honestly, when you say, and I'll go back to Pat Narduzzi here, one of his most successful things to do in his defense was A-gap pressure. Yeah. But he didn't always do it with the linemen. Sometimes he did it with the linebackers. And right. it was one of those things. And, and, and I look at it now, I'll watch Pitt's defense. And if I see them go, I built with both the inside linebackers and the A-gap, I'll tweet it. I'll go, A-gap pressure, Narduzzi staple, because he's been doing it for years. But you've seen defenses over the years, whether it's with their defensive linemen or their linebackers, they've been able to be successful because that A-gap pressure makes it difficult for quarterbacks. Insert quarterback's name here. He will have a problem with it, whether it is Brady or Rodgers or Roethlisberger. They all struggle with it because it messes up their timing, first of all. Second of all, it messes up their ability ability to, to view the whole field. Third of all, they got a quick decision to make or they might get killed. So it pretty much brings all those things into focus. So you and I have the same mindset here. This is something that can be fixed a lot easier by comparison, than trying to find that dominant zero technique guy that might also be able to play the sub package and still make an impact. 
or trying to find that dominant edge rusher that could still be the three, four outside linebacker and be the sub package edge rusher. It's a lot harder trying to find that combination as opposed to, Hey, we got three or four guys that can already play pretty well up front here. It might just be a matter of getting us one more linebacker that fits what we're looking for. And now that situation's taken care of. And after that, all you're doing is that in depth. That's it. That's pretty much all you're doing. Now I say, all you have to do is that depth. I know it's not the easiest thing in the world, right? But as far as getting your starters nailed down now, you're now moving in that position. You're moving in that direction. It's a lot, uh, it's a much quicker fix for this particular roster to do maybe as opposed to trying to keep the status quo. That's where I'm going with this. No, I feel you entirely. It's why yesterday on my mock draft Monday show, I one of one of my mock draft picks in my first in my first mock of the season. I, I said in the middle rounds, get a Dalen Hayes from Notre Dame. He's an edge rusher who's known to be able to be an off ball linebacker as well. Yes. If you could get guys who could fill multiple roles there, that offers you flexibility. But but on top, but but like you said, they need guys. They, the, the the first part of this starts with having a stout front. They have the stout starters up front, but they need guys that they can rotate in because Hayward and two it going to get hurt at some point they're going to get tired at some point you need to rotate them in and out and what often makes those great defenses great later in the season is that they can rotate those guys and you go back and you look at what the Buccaneers did to the Chiefs Mm -hmm. their same defensive line wasn't in there every single play they were rotating not just not just who was in there but where guys lined up moving those guys around you need to have guys that are that are able to diversify their talents where they can succeed on top of having guys that could come in, keep giving you fresh legs and get that offensive line tired. Because when you start pressing them, that's when you start to force more mistakes. That's when you make the quarterback uncomfortable. And, and I think that that's, that that's a place where you could get some help right here. Um, that, that will, that will, of people that will come to your aid earlier rather than later. And, um, and, and for what you're saying here now, again, we're not saying it's definitely going to happen because the Steelers to the credit of why they, they didn't commit to making this change earlier. They felt they didn't have the personnel to do it. And, and I'd, I'd say that for some years, you could probably agree. We did like, we didn't yeah. know Stefan to was going to be who we, we didn't have with stuff on to it. Isn't now who he was then. Um, and back then also, Josh, I mean, you remember the days of having Cam Thomas be your second guy, second, your backup defensive uh, tackle. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were some rough days on the defensive line, but those days are gone now. And I think that's what gives them more flexibility to do something like this. I'll, I'll, I'll put one more example because you had a couple good ones. I'll even bring up the Giants NASCAR package that they had on passing mm. downs where they brought in guys and they're mm. all, they were all just speed rushers. They had these guys on deck. I don't think people realize just the job that Ernie, of course he did to build that roster mm-hmm. that beat Tom Brady twice. But that's an entirely different discussion, but that NASCAR package that they were dropping is another example of that kind of depth and just that kind of versatility with guys that can do different things. You might have a group that's a little bit more stout. You might have a group that's probably fresher legs. And then you got a group that's just all speed rushers. Just get to the quarterback as fast as you freaking can and see what happens. When you have that kind of diverse skill sets, you can do those kind of things. And it's almost like, I don't want to say it's a la carte, but it's pretty close as far as having almost an answer for any situation personnel wise. And that's, I won't say they're in that position now, but there's a great opportunity for them to be in that position in a year or two. I agree. There's a, there's a really good chance they could be there. Um, again, they got young guys all, 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 you know, all along this roster. They got some older guys like Cam, um, but they got guys who can fill in and be and, and adjust to this and learn and grow from this and be part of this next great era of defense. I think that they are on the cusp of that. 
Um, and again, you can get guys in the middle and late rounds who can fill in in certain roles. Um, you know, one guy I brought up yesterday, another guy I brought up yesterday on the mock draft was Justin Hilliard, uh, the third linebacker that's coming out of Ohio State this year. You know, everyone's going to look at Pete Werner. Everyone's going to look at Brandon Browning and Baron Browning. And I like both of those guys and both of them would be great as well. But Hilliard's a guy who I think could be a potential good Sam linebacker who presses guys off the line, helps in coverage and then plays special teams. Um this isn't impossible. So it's a great idea by you. I'd like our locked on listeners to, uh, to let us know how they feel um, to do. So you can tweet at us at any time, um, but you can also join the locked on Steelers Facebook group, where if you're not joined already, there's over 1200 Steelers fans who are part of the group, as well as people who are on the show. Josh, I'm not sure if you are in the Facebook group yet. We got to make that happen. If you're not. Oh yeah. Um, I've been on there. I've been on there tweeting on some of the, uh, Voting on some of the polls that have been there. There, there you go. So yeah, you, we you, our draft polls. I actually won one. I won one <laughs> one time. And the crazy part was the one that I won. I actually forgot to vote for myself and won anyway. I was so proud. I was like, wow, I didn't screw this up. I was Josh so excited. Of course, he's talking about Fantasy Draft Friday. We'll be doing that after the draft is over. That's usually our, our lull of getting from the NFL draft to the start of training camp and uh, getting real news there. We'll be bringing that back. And we're going to do like more organized like season style this year. Because this, this last year, we did it with mainly me, Tony, and Hunter. And then you and other guys would fill in. I want to do a better job of tracking everyone. So um, we'll, we're, that's something for later. But like I said, you could talk to us about what, what our thoughts on this. Do you agree with a 4-3 switch? Uh, be good for this team. Uh, let us know again in the Locked On Steelers Facebook group. You search on Facebook for Locked On Steelers. Ask to join the group. We'll add you as soon as possible. And you'll join over 1,200 other serious Steelers fans who talk football all week long. Josh, thanks so much for coming on here. As always, man, we always appreciate you here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. Let me know where they can follow you, find you, and get more of your work. Um, as far as social media is concerned, Josh Taylor HD across the board. That is Facebook. That is Twitter. That is Instagram. Uh, as far as the work's concerned, CBS Pittsburgh, whether CBS network online or KDKA uh, channel two, or, uh, the nightly sports call, the Ireland contracting nightly sports call powered by FanDuel Sportsbook on Pittsburgh CW as well. That's where you usually find me. And that's where I'm doing what I'm doing. Awesome. Awesome. You guys know you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Carter Critiques. If you follow me, I'll follow you back. Thanks to those who do. If you want to support the show, you know you can subscribe to us. We're on Apple, Spotify. We're on Google Podcasts and we're on Radio.com these days. We're making moves in the Lockdown Podcast Network. If you want to support the show further, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts with a positive comment. When you do both, you get a shout out at the end of the show. Uh, just like this person, I believe it's Krau. I'm not entirely sure, uh, but it's C-R-A-W-O-U. But they gave us a five-star review. It says, Tori, uh, great show. Keeps me up to date with the, with, uh, with Steelers Nation from Oklahoma. Keep it up. Thank you. All the way out from Oklahoma, Steelers Nation reaches far and wide. I think sometimes, Josh, people don't realize how far and wide Steelers Nation, Steelers Nation can get. Um, but uh, you know, but people, people need to remember that, but we also have a quick birthday shout out. Uh, one of our lockdown listeners hit me up, Robert Poirier. Sorry if I messed you up the name up there, but Robert, happy birthday to you on the show. We appreciate you and all the listeners that we have. We'll be back in your ears tomorrow. We've got Dean IMPHRO coming on, on for his what, normal Wednesday hit. We've got some interesting stuff to talk with him. He wants to holler at y'all more about that hall of fame topic we had last week. So get ready for some debate there, but from Chris Carter and Josh Taylor, thanks so much for listening. Be back in your ears tomorrow.